live from the desert cities of Southern California. Your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm here with John McMullen. Hi, John. Hey, Todd. Well, it is an interesting week, as usual, uh, for cars and for everything else. Um, Did you happen to see 60 Minutes last weekend? Probably not. You're a busy man. I have not seen it. It's still sitting in my TiVo. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, one of them was on the auto industry and how they're, you know, helping for the, the COVID-19 uh, fight, basically. Uh, and what I thought was interesting, I mean, I know all the things that they're doing. I mean, they're making ventilators, they're making masks, they're making, uh, you know, those plastic shields that go in front. But what this this one caught my eye, uh, Bill Ford was interviewed. Uh, he's the, what was it, the great grandson or whatever it is of Henry Ford. Um, but he uh, says that Ford Motor Company uh, makes a new F-150 every 52 seconds when the factory is running. Wow. 52 seconds for an F-150. That's a pretty stunning number. I mean, that's a, you know, this is a big truck with, you know, lots and lots of parts, obviously. But uh, they have it honed down to a quite a science. 52 seconds. That's a, that's a pretty good number, I think. So they make them for, that fast. Well, they sell almost a million of them a year, so you know you know have to make them fast, I guess. <laughs> They're wow. not making them right now, but when when the factory is you know running at full speed, that's what they do. It's a bright, that's a great number, though. That's, I'm sure that other factories do things quickly as well, but I was just surprised at that every 52 second number. All right. Um, so let's see. Uh, Europe beat China for the first time in EV sales last month. But of course, e- sales for all cars were down last month everywhere. But uh, China was uh, 77,256 and Europe eked in at 79,300 for fully electric vehicles. Uh, I think that's going to change again when we go to, you know, Q2 because a lot of China was shut down during the first quarter. Uh, I mean, I read that France's sales tanked 89% last month. So, you know, um, much of Europe is is the same as that because they were all locked down. So sales have yet to rebound. Here they haven't gone off that much, but certainly a lot. Um, In a shock to no one also is that General Motors suspended its dividend and stopped it's share buyback. Can you imagine? They stop buying back their own shares. Uh, GM, like other big car makers, needs to conserve cash to get to the other side of the COVID-19 shutdown. Uh, I can't believe they were still doing the buybacks, but hey, everybody needs to pump up their stock price. That's what every morning corporate America <laughs> seems to be doing. Yep, that's what they do. To well, you know, this this is a problem. Back to when when they made it such an easy thing to give stock as compensation to executives. Once they started doing that, the executives found any way possible to pump up the price of stock. It happens in every corporation. It's not just the you know the auto industry. Anybody that has uh, stock options and the CEO tends to want to pump up the stock price because it means they make more money. Uh, let's see. It's only money, I guess. Uh, we're getting our first pictures now of the 2021 Cadillac Escalade ESV. Uh, the other week we talked about the new Escalade. That's just the short one. That's the Chevy Tahoe version of the Escalade. Uh, the Escalade is the Chevy Tahoe side. The ESV is the she- the Escalade. That is the size of the Chevy Suburban. I mean, it's a really big thing. It was stretched by 
13.2 inches this this time around. Uh, the body is stretched by 15.9 inches for a total wheelbase of 134.1 inches and a length of 226.9 inches. That is really big. Wow. Uh, back in the day, I, I, they made a, a car called the Buick Electra, and they called it the Electra 225. The Electra 225 was called the Electra 225 because it was 225 inches long. I mean, it was big. And now we have a Chevy, I mean, a Cadillac Escalade that is bigger than that. So it's basically huge. Uh, it can swallow 142.8 feet of cargo behind the first row uh, if you have the, the, the seats down, which is an 18% improvement over its predecessor and a full 21 cubic feet more than before. Uh, behind the third row, the uh, ESV holds uh, 25.5 cubic feet of uh, cargo, um, and the ESV can fit 41.1 cubic feet behind the third row. So that's a, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff there. Uh, power comes from the same uh, V8 gasoline engines or turbo diesel as the Escalade, the regular Escalade. Uh, the small Escalade starts at 77,490, and the ESV, the bigger version, starts at 80,490. It's only a three thousand dollar difference. Hey, you need the space. What's three thousand dollars, right? right? Yeah. I mean, hell. Cadillac is preparing for sales of its upcoming electric crossover in 2022. We previously learned that, that that it actually has a name, not some weird combination of letters and numbers. It will be called Lyric, L-Y-R-I-Q. Uh, Cadillac has filed for trademark applications in seven different countries for both Lyric and Cadillac Lyric. Uh, countries include Canada, Germany, Israel, Mexico, South Korea, Switzerland, and the United States. Uh, it shows that GM is very ambitious for this new electric crossover, and it, um, the reveal of the, uh, the the actual production version of the Lyric was, of course, pushed back to August due to, you know, pandemic. Everything is due to the pandemic these days. Uh, Karma uh, Automotive, they're the ones that made uh, the, the, uh, the Karma, that was that weird-looking sedan. It was a Fisker Karma, and then that went bankrupt, and then it's just called Karma Automotive. They are bragging about this new flexible uh, platform they have called the E-Flex EV platform. Uh, the latest version referred to as the high-performance E-Flex platform has been developed with battery electric supercar applications in mind. Uh, the stunning SC2 concept car, which was shown at the LA Auto Show last November uh, is a taste of what's possible. Uh, Karma's eFlex platform is a highly modular design capable of spawning battery electric and extended range EVs. Uh, that's a possible. That's as many as 22 possible configurations when you factor in the various options for batteries and motors that Karma is offering. Of course, I don't know who's buying, but they're offering it uh, to anybody who wants it. Uh, the 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 high performance um, mo uh, platform features four independent electric motors, so they have one motor for each wheel, uh, for a peak output of 1,100 horsepower. And according to Karma, it's good for a sports car acceleration from zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Now that's as fast as the Tesla Roadster that uh, is not even out yet, but uh, Tesla's demonstrated it, as as well as the Rimac and Pininfarina for their respective C2 and Batista uh, electric uh, hypercars. Karma also claims a 400 mile range. Now this would be great if there was actually a, a car on sale, but there's no car on sale right now. They just, you know, this is just a way for them to get PR and for them to 
say, hey, look what we have here. Doesn't anybody want to help and buy us, you know, buy this uh, particular platform that we're selling? But no. Okay. So the the Corvette hasn't been on sale for even six months yet, but the company is already planning three performance variations. It has the, the Z06 returns with a 5.5 liter, 6.2 liter V8. It will be, disti- will be distinguished by a Ferrari-like shriek as the engine revs to 8,000 RPM. It wow. should make 650 horsepower and 600 pound-feet of torque. Uh, that's a significant upgrade from the standard 490 horsepower no price yet but it should start around 83,000 which is close to the last Z06 then the ZR1 returns possibly in three to four years it should get the LT7 which is a twin turbocharged V8 with 850 horsepower and 825 pound-feet of torque it should be made into the same dual clutch uh, Tremec uh, automatic found in the standard uh, C8 and the Z06 the previous ZR1 only achieved you know, only 755 horsepower. Uh, then there is the long-rumored hypercar that's coming, and it's called the Zora. Uh, Zora Dunton Arkoff is was the guy who actually created the Corvette in the 50s. So he's kind of like the the father of all Corvettes. So for them to name their hypercar Zora, it's a big deal. You know, it's a, it's an homage to him. It's slated though for 2025. Everything's been pushed back by six months to a year because of of the of the pandemic. But um, it uh, it looks like it's going to happen, and it's expected to have at least a thousand horsepower and 975 pound-feet of torque, and it will run a twin-turbo LT7 engine with the addition of an electric motor mounted to the front wheels. So it will be an all-wheel drive system uh, that'll help maintain traction uh, when launching at full acceleration. There are only a few hypercars with that kind of horsepower. The Zora will be in good company with like the likes of the Ferrari LaFerrari, the McLaren P1, uh, Conseg Regera. Uh, the Zorro will be much more affordable than those, though. I mean, those are not going to be cheap cars. Um, let's see. Ford wants the market cornered by the Subaru Outback. Ford plans on selling the Fusion Active, which is a wagon version of the Fusion sedan with a mild lift, all-wheel drive, and rugged-looking body cladding. So power will come from a turbocharged 2-liter inline four-cylinder engine mated to an 8-speed automatic transmission. Prices uh, should range from $30,000 to $40,000 when the Active hits dealer lots later this year. It'll be a 2021 model. And if it, you know, if it gets pushed back it may be the first quarter of 2021 but all this depends of course on the you know COVID-19 and what's happening with that sure. but don't call it don't call it a station wagon though fusion sedans are being phased out at the end of this year so the only fusion salt will be the active just don't call it a station wagon uh, the, you know, okay. it, it, it'd be very bad to call it a station wagon uh, and Nissan wants you to know that they're doing good things they're using their manufacturing and engineering expertise to 3D print headbands for the assembly of uh, protective face shields to donate to US based healthcare centers and their staff who are working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic it's one of several ways Nissan is uh, working on the front lines of the pandemic uh, to help customers employees and communities respond to the challenge of the coronavirus i mean there's not much out there for Nissan so i figured that they they should get some some sort of you know uh, pat on the back for something i guess 
Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, no surprise to no one. Ford has uh, indicated a temporary pause in the launch of the 2021 Mustang Mach-E, but just slightly. Some customers in Europe will have their de- uh, deliveries pushed back to November. The problem wasn't the engineering or the software. It's the factories and supplier network that remained disrupted by the coronavirus situation. Ford's PR uh, department issued an appropriately vague statement. We have more details to share on the timing. We will have more details to share on the timing of our upcoming all new vehicles once we have safely brought our factories and and facilities back online. Final timing is not yet determined. The Mach-E is one of Ford's most important upcoming projects by any measure, uh, both the first and major expansion of the Mustang nameplate and also, um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be their first big uh, EV out there. It's an EV crossover. Any big delay in the, t- but the other thing that they have coming this year is the 2021 F-150 pickup truck. And that's where Ford makes like, you know, 100% of their profits. So, you know, they lost, they announced a $5 billion loss for this quarter and uh, they could make that all up if the if the uh, F-150 is able to go on sale on time because anytime they bring out a new F-150, you know, they even sell more of them. So, Ford wants to sell you lots of things. You're listening to Todd Bianco and John McMullen. Uh, this is all riffed up on IHEP Radio and we'll be right back. desert cities of Southern California. Your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. Before the break, we were talking about the new F-150s coming and how, you know, this is the most important car to Ford because it's basically the franchise. Uh, but I thought what, what would be, you know, good to talk about for just a second is uh, pickup trucks and safety. Um, I don't see the Ford F-150 on the top list here. And I just wanted to go over some of the things that, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of intuitive. But when you sit in a, big, in a big pickup truck, you look out there and you think you're the king of the road. You know, you've, you've got this big, huge thing you're in. You've got all-wheel drive. And you think it's the safest vehicle on the road. But it's not. These things can easily flip over. Uh, and they don't handle well when you're in a situation that's, you know, could be dangerous. So. So uh, trucks tend to use big, heavy body on frame construction. What that means is that you look like a big frame looks like a ladder and then they screw the body on top of that ladder. Most cars, though, are actually unibody where it's all one piece. Uh, but trucks generally are this uh, body on frame construction. And it's good for it's better for pulling, you know, towing, that kind of thing. 
uh, automakers uh, might focus on scoring well in crash testing with cars and SUVs before turning to trucks. As a result, many trucks have been of trouble getting the highest uh, score for all the tests conducted by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, especially the passenger side uh, overlap front tests and the headlight evaluation. Even though not a single truck qualifies for the 2020 IIHS Top Safety Pick or Top Safety Pick Plus, some new trucks are safer than others. Let's see, and, and let's go to what that list is. Uh, the top one is the 2020 Ram F-150. Uh, the 2020 Ram, um, not F-150, the 2020 Ram 1500 crew cab model with optional equipment that was the first full-size pickup truck to earn the 2019 top safety pick plus designation from the iihs that means it earned a good rating in all six crashworthiness tests small overlap front driver passenger side moderate overlap side impact and uh, roof crush although the truck loses the safety award for 2020 because it lacks pedestrian sensing for its front crash prevention technology, but it still remains one of the safest trucks you can buy. Uh, Ram credits its patented frame rail construction for scoring high on the, the difficult passenger side small overlap test. Uh, the front of the Ram's uh, entirely new ladder frame features a cleverly engineered octagonal section frame uh, frame frame rail extensions uh, they are uh, mandrel bent and welded well that's a lot to, to deal with isn't it but you also have to have optional tech equipment including automatic emergency bracing braking and forward collision uh, mitigation which is what won the uh, top rating for it so the tech is what really gets it there but you actually have to you know pay for that extra tech it's not standard uh Higher trim levels also offer blind spot monitoring, forward collision warning, and automatic uh, braking, uh, lane departure warning. The other tricky test is headlights. Uh, FCA engineers improved optional adaptive LED projector uh, headlights with a high beam assist, and the effort earned the exclusive good score, or the elusive good score. So Ram 1500 is crushing it, basically, except they need to deal with the pedestrian safety. The next on the list is the Honda Ridgeline, which you don't see too many of them. They don't sell that many. The Ridgeline is not a, a surprise because it's uh, on, this, on the list because it is a, you know, it's a unibody construction. It doesn't do a ladder on frame. I mean, a frame with a, you know, the, the body screwed to it. It's a unibody construction and it's a front wheel drive car platform uh, with all wheel drive as, uh, as optional. Uh, the key update for 2020 is the newly standard Honda sensing driver assistance and safety features, forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking, road departure prevention, um, lane keeping assist, and lane departure warning come on every 2020 Honda Ridgeline. So it's standard, along with an excellent adaptive cruise control system. The Ridgeline uh, received the top uh, the 2019 top safety pick designation, but it didn't measure up to their strict standards for 2020. The Ridgeline did not keep the award for 2020 because it ranked acceptable in the small overlap front passenger side uh, side test. So, but it still gets pretty good ratings overall, five star ratings in most of the categories. And then the next one is the Toyota Tacoma, which is you know like a 12 year old car, but uh, Toyota is a, you know it's long it's a long serving compact pickup truck that it hung in there while other major manufacturers exited the seg segment only to return years later it comes with a you know 
with a lot of standard face safety features, which Toyota has packed into almost all of its cars. It's equipped with forward collision warning, pedestrian detection, automatic emergency braking, lane departure warning, etc. It's called this Toyota Safety Sense P uh, suite. I don't know why you would call it that, but okay. Safety Sense P suite of driver aids. Um, let's see. But it is a body-on-frame compact pickup truck, but it gets the 2019 top safety pick designation for certain trim levels. Uh, and then, but for 2020, uh, it doesn't uh, get all the all of the uh, awards because there's change in how they actually do the tests. And that's why all of them are sort of falling short for 2020, even though they did well in 2019. Uh, they did get a good marks for their LED headlights because now they actually you know test the headlights you see how well they actually illuminate the road in front of you and that's always been a sort of a, a failing so it gets a four star instead of a five star but it does you know fairly well on most of its tests and then uh, rounding out that the top four is the ford ranger not the f-150 the ranger so um so their trucks are doing okay but not as well as they could you're listening to todd bianco and john mcmullen this is all revved up on ihub radio and we'll be right back from the desert cities of Southern California. Your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. Uh, have you ever heard of Quibi? This thing on your phone or your iPad uh, where you can watch these little short, short, I guess, you know, like under 10 minute uh episodes of a of a show have you heard of this thing i have not it's called quibi it's it's short for quick bites uh so you can't i mean i looked for it it's not on my roku you have to have it on your your phone or your tablet so i mean it will do on android or on uh, ios and uh, apparently they have television shows that you can watch or stream and they are each episode is like eight minutes and so you know it doesn't it doesn't doesn't tax your, <laughs> your so attention span. It's original content that's in short form. It is okay. Uh, so it caught my eye because there's this new show that they put on there called uh, uh, Elba versus Block. That's Idris Elba versus Ken Block, who's this uh, you know famous uh, U.S. Uh, driver of crazy cars uh, on stunts. You know he does this thing called. Uh, Jim Connor, you probably have never heard of Jim Connor either, right? I have not. He does. If you if you look up Jim Connor on YouTube, it's a video series of absolutely amazingly insane uh, courses that they you know they create their own cars and then they race them on these courses that you think are just impossible to do. I mean, they they you know spin them in circles and jump things and go through all sorts of you know narrow spaces and you know narrow roads. It's it, it's a really amazing series, hmm. and they're over 550 million views. Wow. So, so it's not it's not nothing. I mean, he's sponsored by Ford and a lot of the other big racing, uh, you know, uh, 
racing companies uh, associated with this kind of driving. So Ken Block is actually kind of a big deal. He's kind of a doofus, actually. If you listen to him talk, he's actually kind of funny and, and dorky, and it's kind of fun to see him. But And you know who Idris Elba is, right? I do not. You do not know who Idris Elba is? He's the, the, the black English actor who was almost going to be the new James Bond, who was in um, – Oh, God, what was he? And he's in a bunch of good t- TV maybe, shows. Maybe I know him by sight, but not by name. Uh, he's in Luther. It's a British cop series. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, Thor, Ragnarok. So anyway, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty big A-list uh, Hollywood actor. And uh, he's not bad looking, easy on the eyes. Let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, and now they have. So what they did is they did a series of uh, uh, the the two driver, the two basically scurrying off against each other in various sorts of stunts. You know, like driving on two wheels or jumping a bunch of cars and stuff. So they were basically having to teach an actor how to do what Ken Block does, and Ken Block having to sort of like do a little bit of things that he's not done before. So it's it's all done. It's all shot in England, and I watched all. I don't know, 10 episodes or whatever it was. It, it, you can sign up for free. I mean, you can, for like the first three months are free. And then after that, it costs $4.99 a month. I plan on canceling. But if you are interested in doing short form, it's a really fascinating little series that they do on it. And it's fun to watch all the stuff that goes on. I mean, I love the paintball. They they actually mount paintball cannons on cars and then they try to shoot each other. And whoever hits the most on the other car, you know, wins that particular round. <laughs> Okay. So, I mean, it's actually kind of fun to watch. I mean, and again, you're only talking about, you know, eight minutes of your time for each episode. So it's not like you know, it doesn't take your whole day to, to watch the entire series. Yeah. So it's, it's it's kind of fun. So that's something to look at. And if you've never seen Jim Gymkhana, uh, they have, I don't know how many there are, like 10 or whatever of them. But they are amazing to watch. And they are, I mean, how they film it and how they do it is just, it's pretty stunning. Uh, they, they are, and Ken Block is a, an amazing driver. So, it, you know, something to watch. Again, if they have over 550 million views, they must be fun to watch, right? That's I a big number. Think. Certainly on YouTube. Okay, um, so Toyota, they've reached a very impressive milestone. They've now sold 15 million hybrids, and that's pretty good. What started in 1997 as the first Prius has filtered into almost every passenger car and crossover that Toyota and Lexus make. Toyota doesn't plan on stopping. Worldwide, it plans to introduce 40 new hybrid and electrified models over the next five years, including 10 zero-emission vehicles. Uh, Lexus uh, began selling an electric NX300, which is the size of the, what is that, the CHR? No, that's the size of the uh, uh, the Toyota mm, Art RAV4. Uh, that's what it is. But the NX300 is the Lexus version. They just started selling an electric version, but it's only in China. And they're about to, and Toyota's about to introduce the second generation uh, Mirai, which is their fuel cell vehicle, which is due this year. Uh, I think Toyota should consider doing a hybrid truck. If Ford is going to make a hybrid F-150, I think Toyota should consider the same for both of their trucks, the Tacoma and the Tundra. I mean, they seem to know how to do it, and they do a very good job. And any, anybody you know that has a Prius, John, they they really are very reliable. They may not be the most fun car to drive. They're more like a refrigerator, but they are, you know, reliable. So that that's what a lot of people count on is that for the Toyota to be reliable. Hmm. Um, there is some uh, bad news, though, that the uh, 
Rivian uh, that was going to make an SUV for Lincoln, and that program has been canceled. Uh, Unfortunately, it's, again, another uh, victim of the COVID-19 crisis because Rivian had to stop uh, making its factory, so it's going to be late on its pickup truck. It was going to be at the end of this year. Now it's going to be at the beginning of next year, and that means that it's a SUV, which is the R1S, the Rivian R1S, which was going to be the basis for the Lincoln, is also going to be delayed. And Ford lost $5 billion this quarter. So, you know, it's a money issue and and it needs to be brought in-house. So Tesla got another offer. I mean, last week we talked about, uh, I believe it was Joplin, Missouri, who's going to give them a lot of incentives to come to build a Cybertruck factory there. Well, this week it's Wichita, Kansas. (laughs) Of all places, right? I guess it's a good place to go if you want a good lineman uh, here. I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's it's fascinating they, they, that what they did. I mean these these are, these are basically these these uh, localities really hate electric cars, but they really want Mister they want Elon Musk's business to to locate at a factory there. So maybe they'll start loving them. So Wichita, Kansas. Um, what do they? What did they offer? So the Greater Wichita Partnership and the Kansas Department of Commerce partnered to create a website and video to present the bid. The video is absolutely horrible and looks <laughs> like it was produced by you know like from 1987 with a kid on a you know a cam, you know a, a VCR recorder. I mean you know or, yeah. you know a camera. It looks so awful. Um, the group is offering a large 800 acre plot of land just outside the city. It has access to two class one railways with the BNSF and the Union Pacific Uh, BNSF uh, transload facility whatever that is I guess it's a a bigger uh, cargo facility uh, with available capacity within five miles it has quick access to I-35 with two interchanges less than two miles from the location site it has an electric substation available on site it has adjacent 8,400 acre lake offering high-capacity water with low, low rates. Incentives include land. Uh, sites within the greater Wichita region are priced at 15 to 20% below U.S. industrial land prices and may provide steep discounts to even free, depending on job creation. Hmm. Cash, multiple state-level programs can provide upfront cash or cash-equivalent benefits to this project, including promoting employment across Kansas, PEAK, P-E-A-K, promoting employment across Kansas, and job creation fund, uh, training funds, and abundance of customized training options in the greater Wichita region with state reimbursement training grants, training tax credits, and local funds to relocate and train technical talent. Now, who want, do, who wants to relocate there? Uh they also Probably have not a lot of people from the Coachella Valley. <laughs> no, nor do they want to come from Silicon Valley either. Yeah. <laughs> My guess is Wichita is not like the, their 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 you know the, the, their dream location. There is also utility savings. Private sector utility partners uh, 
Evergy and Kansas Gas Services each have economic development rider programs that significantly reduce the cost of upfront utility infrastructure and long-term rates depending on job creation and other criteria. Federal incentives, uh, there's this, they, they are within those little bubbles created by the last uh, big tax giveaway. Um, the greater Wichita region qualifies as the new market tax credit area as well as the opportunity zone. So you could actually get federal tax credits as well for locating in Wichita. And the cost of living is cheap. Not going to happen, huh? Uh, no. I'll, I'll pass this time. <laughs> you know, again, it's a choice. Austin, Texas, or Wichita, you choose. Well, Austin isn't so bad, but... Right. Well, the rest of well, Texas, the rest of Texas is one thing, but Austin is a pretty good, pretty yeah. good bubble to be in. Yes, you had to be in in Texas. So, um, Volkswagen's uh, CEO Herbert Deese is worried about Tesla's lead in self-driving software. Uh, in an inter- in an in an internal VW email that was leaked this past weekend, uh, Deese. Uh, Mr. Deese discussed Tesla's impressive system of improving its vehicle's uh, driving, self-driving capabilities. Deese uh, seemed to admit that Tesla's self-driving interest infrastructure is far superior to any other mainstream automaker today. And here's what he said. What worries me is the assistance systems. 500,000 Teslas function as a neural network that continuously collects data and provides the customer a new driving experience every 14 days with improved uh, properties. Uh, no other automobile manufacturer can do that today. Tesla uses a set of cameras, radars, and ultrasonic sensors to form the vision in a Tesla. The neural network that Tesla has been building for years is uh, growing quickly as more Teslas hit the road and send back short video clips that instills to Tesla, all geotagged with their exact location. The data is completely you know, uh, anonymous. They don't identify it by the car. They just identify it by where the car is. That's it. They don't know which car it is. So um, Elon has uh, criticized other self-driving systems that use LIDAR, which is light detection and ranging system, because it's very expensive. It's at least $7,000 just for the LIDAR system. Uh, it can, and it can only really work in, you know, detect objects and carefully map roadways. But LIDAR doesn't necessarily understand what it's seeing. And that's why Elon thinks it's not worth the money and doesn't do the job. Tesla's neural network of data is, is able to see a plastic bag and ignore it as harmless. LiDAR does not do the same, though I, it, you know, through identification of thousands of objects, all different shapes and sizes, deep machine learning uh, present in the neural network gets smarter over time. Think of these terms. A bicycle is mounted with a, uh, with a bike rack on the back of a car. At first, the system sees two things, a bicycle and a car. However, now it sees just a car because the bicycle's not on the road. So it keeps learning. And that's what's important about these kinds of systems is that it keeps learning. And that's what uh, LiDAR doesn't do. LiDAR doesn't do, you know, learn, it just sees. So you're listening to Todd Bianco and John McMullen. This is all wrapped up on iHub Radio. We've got lots more coming. We'll be right back.
news, weather, truth, and fun. We're iHub Radio, homegrown in the Coachella Valley. For the love of cars, this is All Revved Up. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hello, sir. Now, here's one I, you know, you know who David Byrne is, right? No. Talking Heads, David Byrne? Okay. He's the guy that's sort of like was running it. You never heard of him, huh? Anyway, David Byrne was the uh, the, the the head of uh, the head of the Talking Heads. He was uh, the impetus behind the Talking Heads. He runs a website called Reason to Be Cheerful dot World. I didn't even know you could have a dot world, but there it is. So Reason to Be Cheerful dot World, and there's a story on his website that says that West West Texas is the world capital of wind energy. It gets really? 23, yeah, 23.4% of its energy from wind. If Texas was a country, it would rank the fifth in the world behind Germany of getting, you know, of, of non-fossil fuel uh, energy. Uh, Germany and India get a little bit more, but uh, Texas, West Texas would get, or uh, Texas itself would be in number five on that list. It consumes more energy an- annually than any other state. It consumes 40% more than California, and California has far more people. <laughs> I didn't know that. It consumes 40% more energy than California. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Um, because of this, even oil-rich Texas looks for cheaper energy sources. Wind is it. West Texas has lots and lots of wind, never-ending wind, apparently. And in the long run, it's cheaper. So you'll see windmills all over there. And that's what they've turned to. So even even the oil barons of Texas are turning to wind, which I thought was interesting, considering that you know they hate uh, anything to do with electricity that has to you know that isn't generated by you know oil or coal or something like that. So <clears throat> something to be something something that's good. So they're getting wind energy. Uh, General Motors has pushed back the May twentieth planned reveal of the new Hummer by GMC pickup truck. It's a big off-road pickup, complete with, you're going to love all the features. It has giant all-terrain tires, and it has tow hooks. It features removable roof panels for access to the open sky, which appears to be depicted in a teaser image. It features sail panels behind the C-pillar, similar to the long-dead Chevy Avalanche or the first-generation Honda Ridgeline. The bed appears to be concealed by a tonneau cover, but it has GMC's multi-pro tailgate as seen on the GMC Sierra Denali. The interior photos show a spacious interior with blocky shapes, squared hourglass vents that mirror the look of the taillights, and and a lunar theme that incorporates the topography of the Sia Tranquility into things like the floor mats and a speaker covers. (laughs) 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 Okay. it has a large infotainment screen as well as a digital, a giant digital uh, dash panel. 
the Hummer will be offered with a number of electric powertrain options, the most powerful of which will provide 1,000 horsepower and a 0 to 60 time of less than three seconds. That's a big truck going very fast. I guess so. The rest, yeah, the rest of the next generation of it, it's you know, of General Motors EVs. It will, you know, like the other ones of General Motors EVs, it will use the automaker's new. They call they call the batteries Ultimum. Alt U L T I U M Ultimum 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 Ultium. That's Ultium. it. Ultium modular battery and powertrain technology. So there's no reveal date yet, but don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got to have that, right? Yep. Um, now, uh, Tesla took the took advantage of falling European sales to uh, to increase its market share because it was pumping cars into the system. There, uh, it was the number one selling uh, car in the EU. Or the number two selling car in the EU. Uh, it, the Volkswagen Golf was number one. The Tesla Model 3 was number two. Ford Focus number three, which they no longer sell here. The Ford, uh, the Renault Clio, which isn't sold here. The Mercedes A-Class, which is sold here. The Skoda Octiva, Octava, uh, which is not sold here. The Nissan uh, Qashqai, which is not sold here. The Toyota Yaris, which is sold here now. Uh, the Ford Fiesta, which is not sold here. And the Mini Hardtop Hatchback, which is sold here. So most of these cars aren't even sold in, in the United States, but those are the top uh, top selling cars in the EU. But the Tesla number, uh, the Tesla Model 3 was number two. Um, there's another interesting thing that happened. I mean, this is an, another name you've never heard of, but his name is Luke uh, Donkervolk. D-O-N-C-K-E-R-V-O-L-K-E. He's 54 years old. He's uh, Hyundai's chief uh Design. He's in charge of Hyundai's, which is both Genesis, uh, Hyundai, and Kia. Uh, he's been with uh, Hyundai and Genesis since, since 2016. He's credited with a radical shift in design. Uh, he, he, you know, he became the chief officer of the chief officer of Hyundai Motor Group, including uh, Hyundai, Genesis, and Kia in 2018. He left the company. No reason was given for the departure. It was sudden. It was uh, an immediate. Uh, he immediately resigned and left the company. They said it was very amicable. Uh, he studied car design at the Art Center in Vevey, uh, Switzerland. Uh, he uh, joined Peugeot first as an intern, then soon he went to Audi. Uh, he left uh, Audi in, for another VW company, Skoda, where he designed a couple of its most popular vehicles. He went on to Audi. He went back to Audi in 1998 when Audi bought Lamborghini, and that's where he became chief designer at Lamborghini, which is a highly desirable job about for any, but any designer because it's Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. uh, he went on to design the last uh, the touches for the Diablo. Then he was responsible for the Glardo and the Murcielago. Uh, both amazing cars. He moved then to VW's Spanish subsidiary, which is Seat, where he uh, stayed until 2011 when he was promoted to be in charge of VW Group Advanced Design Department. One year later, he moved to VW subsidiary Bentley, where he oversaw a bunch of development there. So this is all within the VW Group. He's you know a rising star, big executive. He designed this amazing uh, concept car for Bentley that was you know oohed and odd by everybody at the auto shows a couple of years ago. Um, 
He he was responsible now for the 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 new look of the Genesis, uh, the GV80 and the G80 sedan, which is the SUV, and then the sedan. He has this amazing Essentia co- uh, concept car, and as well as a Mint EV that they did for for Genesis, and then the new G90. He did all these things, and then he disappeared. Hmm. So. We're not quite sure. He He's not listed as being married. There's no wedding ring in any of the pictures. Uh, it, it says he's going to spend time with his family, which is in Germany, even though he was born in Peru. Um, very strange. This is a rising star. 54 years old doesn't usually just disappear when you're at the top of the game. Right. So, so more to come on that, I'm sure. You're listening to Todd Bianco and John McMullen. This is all wrapped up on iHop Radio. When we get back, we have a lot from Bring a Trailer. Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. 